Look, if you have to preach, that is the song to follow, right? <laughs> Amen. You can have a seat. Well, um, I wanted to start this morning. Um, there's some crazy stuff going on in our nation, right? And um, it's pretty heavy, especially this weekend. And so um, first, I just wanted to say, I don't know all the details of what's occurring in Charlottesville. I'm not there to see it firsthand. I don't know what the media, and if they're reporting accurately, they're probably not. But what I do know is that I have brothers and sisters who don't look like me, who are hurting and fearful. And because of that, I feel it's necessary to say this morning that the gospel does not apply to some, it applies to all. It applies to my black brothers and sisters, my Asian, Hispanic, white brothers and sisters. It applies to all humans. And no matter where you fall on the political spectrum, we first fall under the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so my challenge is, as a mostly white church, be sure that you encourage your friends who don't look like you at this time. Let's not allow some people to speak louder than the vast majority of us here who obey God's commands and love all. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's pray. Lord, um, thank you for that song. Thank you that you ran out of that grave and that you died on the cross for us and three days later you rose again that we could find freedom in Jesus Christ. Lord, this morning, this message is really about surrender and freedom, so I pray that you would open up our hearts. Start with me, Lord. Um, would you use this in a mighty way this morning? We love you, Lord. We give it all to you in your name. Amen. All right, so um, the other thing I just want to say is this morning we're going to have a testimony, and um, if I'm honest with you, it's a little heavy. And so um, if you have little ones in the audience today, uh, as a parent, I would want to know this. It's a heavy testimony. And so uh, you might want to take your kids to Sunday school or take them out at that time. But I just want to let you know that ahead of time. So let's jump right in, okay? Who knows the story of David and Goliath? Yeah, I think most people have heard about this story sometime in their lifetime. And um, the, let's, let's recap. The Philistines and the Israelites. So the Israelites are on this hill over here. And then it goes down into a valley, and it comes up to a hill over here, and here's the Philistines. They're at battle. And I want you to remember with me that the Israelites have seen God move in amazing ways, in amazing circumstances, time and time again. They've seen the plagues happen, the exodus. They've gone through the Red Sea. They have seen massive miracles occur. And now they're at battle with the Philistines. And the Philistines send forth a giant. And I mean a giant. According to the Bible, he was nine feet, six inches tall. Do you guys know anybody who's nine feet, six inches tall? I don't. Um, and his armor weighed roughly 125 pounds. He was huge. You could see him from distances. He towered over them. I imagine his voice was probably deep, 
and scary, right? He was huge. And Goliath would come out day after day, and he would taunt the Israelites and their God. He would basically say something like this, you come, send someone and fight me. If you win, we'll become your slaves. If I win, you will serve us. He had taken fear and elevated it to one single battle. One person against him. Who wants to be in that fight? Right? Not only do you most likely die, let's be real, but everyone you know, your entire family and the whole nation because, become slaves because of you. You'll go down in the history books as the worst fighter ever. <laughs> the day an entire nation lost battle and all became slaves because of you. The Israelites were petrified. They ran from Goliath. They would listen to him taunt them and disrespect God over and over, and nobody does a thing. Forty days, and nobody does a thing but hide in fear. What an absolute mess. You know, Goliath represents something in each of our lives. I'm betting you've had a Goliath in your life, or you're currently living in fear of a Goliath today. In fact, maybe you have a few. Goliath is something that's huge in your life. It's intimidating. You know, I, I heard a pastor once say, Goliaths are like, it's like a noun. It's a person, place, thing, or thought that looms in your life too big to conquer. You know you have a giant in your life because it not only intimidates you, it controls you. You can't stop talking about it, thinking about it. Your daily life is dictated by the fear of it. You change plans because of it. You avoid relationships or circumstances because of it. You may even try to ignore it, but it's always looming. So this morning, I wanted to give you a visual of what Goliath looked like. Bear with me, I'm not an artist, so. <laughs> this is Goliath. This is to scale. He's nine feet, six inches tall. He's huge. I don't even come to his chest. Can you imagine that? I'm standing in this giant's shadow, right? The Israelites were looking at this massive, towering problem in front of them. They couldn't imagine fighting him or getting close. Shoot, his four-foot, five-foot spear would take you out before you even got close to him. So what's towering over you right now? Take a minute and think in your head what, what giant is in your life. I bet it comes right to your mind. You know, it could be a financial giant. It could be a relational giant. 
It could be a medical giant. It could be depression. It could be a sin in your life. Maybe it's alcohol, pornography. It could be fear. Maybe it's self-worth. Maybe past abuse. Maybe it's listening to the lies of the enemy. I don't know what your giant is, but my bet is you have one. Maybe a few. So back to the story. Here comes David, right? He's coming, this young boy, this kid, and he's coming to deliver food to his brothers on the battlefield. And they've been cowering on this hill for 40 days in fear of Goliath. And as David gets closer and he comes up on that hill, he sees Goliath, can't miss him, he sees him come down to the valley and taunt the Israelites and God. And he overhears it and he asks the, the Israelites, what is going on? And they're explaining to him what's happening. There's this giant and he comes out every day and he's so scary and he's freaky. And he says, if I fight him um, and someone wins, then they'll be our slaves and vice versa. And at the same time, they start to explain, but King Saul says, if someone will go fight him, that they will give, that King Saul will give you his daughter as his wife, wealth, and no taxes. Whoa. That's a ton of stuff, right? A wife, wealth, and no IRS for the rest of your life. And yet, no one has taken him up on this offer. And then David asks again, what will this man be given if he kills Goliath? And here in verse 26 is where the story changes. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David was mad that Goliath was making the Israelites and most importantly, God, look weak and subpar. He was really angered that someone would disrespect God. Saul The king overheard this, and he asked for David to come and speak with him. And so David said to Saul in verse 32, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Look, people, we're looking at this kid, this boy, probably half the size of Goliath, somewhere between the ages of 15 and 17, and people are saying, no way, right? You are crazy. We have no chance if you go and fight. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to become a slave because you're stupid, right? I can just imagine that's what's being said. So, but then David said, he explained that as a shepherd, he faced a bear and a lion. I rescued a sheep and took down the lion. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. And here's the key why. Because he had defied the armies of the living God. So we know how the story ends, right? So David grabbed five stones and he ran. He ran. Did you hear me? I said he ran towards Goliath. And 
as that's happening, Goliath is hurling insults and laughing at him and whatever, right? And David, after he called upon the name of the Lord, he took one small stone, he grabbed it, he slung it, he threw it, he hit him right dead center in the forehead. Goliath dropped down to the ground and died. The giant fell. The battle had been won with one simple stone. The rest of the Philistines saw this and they ran. Can you imagine? I can totally see the Israelites. They had to like pick their mouth up off the ground to be like, uh, okay, I think we're supposed to go after them now, right? It was completely dumbfounded. One small pebble took down a giant that had crippled an entire nation in fear for roughly 40 days. So, you know, this morning after hearing the story again, I think it's important that we discuss David's response in this whole story. So first, David had the right motives. See, um... Everyone kept telling David about the rewards of killing Goliath. But over time, he spoke. He spoke out of anger because they were defying God. He was so angry that anybody would disrespect God. His brothers questioned his motives for fame. People may have thought it was about the money or uh, the wife or the no taxes. David's motive was the glory of God. And in verses 25 to 27 and 36, Goliath was mocking God, and David couldn't stand it. So you have a Goliath. And I'm sure you want it slain. You have to examine your motives for your giant to fall. Ask yourself, why do I want this giant to fall in my life. See, many times the giants or the troubles that we face, they're there specifically to grow us closer with Christ, to be changed, to be more like him, to grow deeper with Jesus. Do you want fame? Do you want freedom? Do you want an easier situation without the spiritual growth? Do you want comfort more than growing closer with Christ? Check your heart and make sure that you have God's glory in your mind. For in your weakness is most likely when God is seen. It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. All right, number two, second. David had a different perspective. He had God's perspective. You see, at the moment when David told Saul that he would fight Goliath, David had made it clear. He wasn't staring at the giant in front of him. 
Yes, Goliath was big and he was scary, but David had a greater perspective. David knew that Goliath did not have the covenant of God because he was uncircumcised. He knew that Goliath's gods were no match for the one true living God. So why were Saul and the Israelites backing down? They lacked faith. At the core, they allowed the problem or the giant to block the view of the greater story at hand. You know, yesterday I read in my quiet time, and it just so perfectly fits. It's from Oswald Chambers, and it said, when crisis arises, that is when we instantly reveal whom we rely on. See, David saw past this towering problem. And he realized that God was bigger than his issue. And with all that said, I want to be really clear this morning. This story is not a story about David's courage. Yes, he had some courage. He faced this issue. But let's be real. He didn't have courage in himself. He had trust in God. Was David fearful? Yes. Read the first 25 Psalms, and you're going to see how much David battled with fear, anxiety, and unbelief. Listen to just a few of them. Psalm 3, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. Psalm 7, Lord my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me, or they will tear me apart like a lion and rip me to pieces with no one to rescue me. Psalm 23, 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff they comfort me. Psalm 25, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in in you. Fear is real. And I'm sure David was fearful. He knew his God would show up like he had in the past. And he knew that although it was a ridiculous, crazy, looming, towering, creating a shadow over him problem, his God was greater. So how often are you are we stuck staring at our giant? It consumes us. It overtakes us. Stop staring at the giant in front of you. Look past the mountain and see God's greater plan. The problem you face is big. It's a giant. But trust that our God has a plan and is bigger. Third, David called upon the name of the Lord. So it says um, in 1 Samuel 17, 45 to 47, listen to this. 
David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel." All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. David made it known who he was fighting for. He made it known the attributes of his God. He gave the victory to God. And I'm sure as he's saying all this, he's probably shaking in his boots, right? Maybe not, maybe adrenaline had kicked in, but my guess is that David is proclaiming his God as much for himself as it was for all the others to hear. He needed the reminder of the attributes and the greatness of God. Church, do we really know and understand the names and attributes of our God? Listen with me. Here's just a few. He is El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty, El Elyon, the Most High God, the God bigger than your problems, Adonai, Lord, Master, Master of the universe, circumstances, and trials. Yahweh, Lord, Jehovah. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner, the God who overshadows any battle. Jehovah Ra, the Lord, my shepherd, the God who leads, protects, and provides. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals, the God that has the power to take down your medical giant. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there, the God at your side. Jehovah Sikenu, the Lord, our righteousness, Lord over your sin issue. Jehovah Mikadishkum, the Lord who sanctifies you, the God who makes it possible for you to remove the head of your giant, El Olam, the everlasting God, the God who never changes, Kanad, jealous, the God who wants his name exalted. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, the God who can slay your financial giant. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace, the God who can meet you in your emotional and depression issues. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of all armies. And that's just a few. Look, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, you have a God who's bigger, higher, more grand than you and I could ever comprehend. Your giants are the grains of sand on his feet. Call upon the name of the Lord. Remind yourself of his greatness. There is power in the name of Jesus. Amen? Well, look, this morning, um, I told you we were going to have this testimony, and I've known of this story for a while, and I've been um, thinking, gosh, it's something great that needs to be shared at church someday, and it just perfectly aligned this week. And so um, take a few moments and watch this video uh, of a dear friend of mine.
On May the 6th, 1987, I faced the biggest Goliath in my life. My name is Sue Wimsatt. In a crime of opportunity, a repairman who came to my house attacked me. He assaulted me and he stabbed me nine times in every organ in my body except for my heart. By the grace of God, I was able to escape and I'm sitting here today. God slayed that giant for me. As you can imagine, there was a long recovery period, both psychologically and physically, <clears throat> but it wasn't long before I saw another Goliath in my path looming larger every day. And that was the upcoming trial, where I would have to be in the room with a man who tried to kill me. It was two long years of lots of prayer and seven postponements in the court. But finally that day came. We were prepared for the trial, the jury had been picked, and Tom and I were waiting in the room for it to start. When the state's attorney came in our room and he said, the man who attacked you has taken the full sentence, life plus 50 years. He's chosen not to go to trial. It's over and you can go home. Wow, sometimes God slays giants so fast your head spins. We were just numb. <clears throat> we went home and before we barely got in the house, the phone rang and it was the state's attorney again. And he said, I just had to tell you that this has never happened in my career, where the perpetrator takes the full sentence. Do you know how lucky you are? And I said, no, sir. This has nothing to do with luck. This was a gift from God. We're just so grateful. Well, for the next 20 years, we worked as a family to get back to our new normal. But there were lots of Goliaths along our path. There was the Goliath of fear, the Goliath of anxiety. There was learning to forgive and forget and move forward. There was even a Goliath called prison ministry, but I wanted nothing to do with it. I wouldn't even drive near the jail. But God opened my heart, and I love prison ministry now, and it's one of my passions. Well, a couple of years ago, I went down to get my mail at the end of the driveway like I do every day, and there was another Goliath. It was the parole letter. Well, life plus 50 years. I thought that was gonna be in the future sometime when I was really old. I read that parole letter and I decided uh, with a lot of persuasion and a lot of prayer that I wanted to be present at his parole and that I would give a victim impact statement, but I would have to be in the room with him. But I decided I could do it with God's help. I distinctly remember driving home from work the night before that parole hearing and I cried like a baby all the way home. God, I can't do this. I don't know why I thought I could do this. Lord, can you just take this from me? I think I made a mistake. I don't think I can do this. And God put this in my heart. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And I repeated that verse over and over the whole drive home. And when I got home, I really had a peace, a peace beyond my understanding about what was gonna happen the next day. There really is no Goliath too big for God. I know that he heard my prayers. I know that he heard every cry that I cried. Well, that next day came and Tom and I drove to Jessup through the fences and the barbed wire, through the slamming doors behind you, and it was time to go in the room with this man. Right before it happened, they came out and told me that they had come up with a special room that I wouldn't have to sit at the table with him, but I could be in a separate room where there was two-way glass. What a gift, it doesn't always happen. Another gift from God. Well, I gave my impact statement, and then I left the room, and it was time for the man who attacked me to come in. It's the first time I'd seen him in 25 years. Not quite the monster that I had remembered, he gave his statements. He answered that he had indeed done everything I said he did, and he had no idea why. 
And then the parole officer opened his file and he said, it says here, you've been an exemplary inmate. In fact, it says that you're ordained as a deacon and you perform Bible studies and services here at the jail. Is that true? And he said, yes, I do. Wow. Well, they denied his parole, much to my surprise. But when they told him that he would be spending the rest of his natural life behind bars, they asked him if he fully understood it. He said yes, and then very quietly he said, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where I'll stay. Wow. Sometimes God slays the giants in the most beautiful way. I had perfect peace. I knew God was working in prison ministry with this man the whole time that Tom and I were working prison ministry. It was just a wonderful, wonderful peace. I just know that this is the story that God wrote for His glory, not for me. And I know that on Christ the solid rock I stand. What an amazing story. Many of you know Sue, and you probably had no clue of this. See, Sue surrendered to God and allowed him to slay many, many, many giants, all because of one man's atrocious sin against her. Sue has freedom today because of Christ, because of God in her life. She's placed her hope, her fears, her pain at Jesus' feet. Her giants have been slain and are being slain. Only God can orchestrate a story like that. Can I promise if you allow God to attack your giant that it's going to fall dead in a second like Goliath did? No. Even after you've allowed God to slay a giant in your life, can it creep its ugly head right back into your life? Yes. Can one giant slain create new giants in your future? Yes. Ask Sue. Look, let's be real. You have a giant, and I'm sure it came to your mind immediately when I started talking. In my life, I have several right now. Finances, anxiety, a few past unresolved relational issues. We all have them. Giants are huge. You're facing past abuse. You're crippled in fear. We're facing racism. You're in an ugly, dysfunctional relationship. You've been fired. You're experiencing grief of a loved one. You're mad at God. You're depressed. You've allowed a giant of sin to grow in your life, and it's out of control. You're addicted to pornography. You can't go a day without a drink. You're constantly doing things to gain favor of men. You're crippled by anxiety or fear. You have cancer. You have a giant. So this morning, check your motives. Do you want comfort more than God's plan? Look past the problem and gain God's perspective. Call upon the name of the Lord. 
Let God, let Jesus take down your giant. You can't do it. Stop trying. And if all you see in front of you today is a giant, surrender. Not to the giant, to the God who can take down your giant. And when God slays your giant, you will have nothing in the way of your view of God. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, this message is about surrender and the freedom that you provide. And so I pray that we would be real, vulnerable, open, and uh, Lord, that um, you would work in a mighty way. Lord, that we would surrender to you the things that stand in our way, in our view of you, Lord. Lord, we love you. We know that you're in control. And I pray this in the name, uh, the name, the most high name, the name um, above anything else, the name that's bigger than any giant, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Look, this morning, um, you might have a giant in your life that you need to surrender to God to. Um, And let me be real. Um, If you don't know God, or you don't know the Jesus that I'm talking about, you don't have a chance with your Goliath. So take this opportunity to meet with him. Don't let the Goliath of fear of what others might think stop you from transacting with God. The altar is going to be open. There's also going to be some counselors and uh, some elders in the back. If you want someone to talk to or you want someone to pray with you, they'll be in the back. Surrender. The altar's open.